0: Hello, welcome to the Talent Parent Programme podcast series. My name is Daniel Thompson and I'm the Talent Operations Coordinator for British Canoeing. So this week is Clean Sport week and to mark this, today's podcast episode is all around anti-doping. So this topic was explored during last year's Talent Parent Programme webinar series and that webinar can be found on the webinar and video resources section of the Talent Parent Programme webpage on the British Canoeing website. So if anyone would like to refresh their memories of this topic. So during this podcast episode, we hope to educate parents on how athletes can take a positive approach towards anti-doping and how they can integrate anti-doping best practices into the overall development of their child, the athlete. I'm delighted that joining myself for discussions on this topic today is British canoeing anti-doping lead officer Gemma Wiggs, England Slalom National Talent Coach Ian Raspin and parent Nikki Forrell. So welcome to you all and thanks for being with us today. So if I could uh, just ask you all to say hello and introduce yourselves, uh, starting with you Gemma.
1: Morning everybody so uh, yeah I'm the anti-doping lead officer for British canoeing um, and also head up our events and international affairs program so if following this podcast anyone's got any questions either head to the British canoeing website or feel free to get in touch we're always here to help as much as we can
0: great thank you Gemma Um yourself Ian
1: Hi, morning, people. Uh, Yes, as introduced, Ian
2: Raspin, uh, one of the coaches on our talent programme and also one of our anti-doping educators. Uh, So my role revolves not only around coaching, but also providing some educational background to this topic we're going to talk about today.
0: Thank you. Um, And yourself, Nikki.
3: Morning, all. Um, I'm Nikki Foro, and I'm Bethan Foro's mum, who is currently on the UK World Class programme.
0: Great. It's great to have you all with us today. Um, so let's open up today's discussion. Then. Um, so the first question I'm, I'm going to direct to you, um, Gemma. So parents might be asking themselves, why is this topic of anti relevant to them?
1: Great. Thanks, Dan. Um, I think. Parents play a crucial role in the development of athletes as sportsmen and women, as across all of a, you know, a child's, child's life, uh, all elements of life. Parents have a major influence on the values, the behaviours they adopt, um, and this has a direct impact alongside other factors such as motivation and their sporting environment, but on whether in the pressure of performing a, an athlete, however old they are, choose to engage in doping. Um, your child is completely responsible for any prohibited substance they use, attempt to use, or is found in their system, and we call this strict liability, regardless of how it got there or whether they had the intention to cheat or not. Any any athlete that is found to have any substance in in their bloodstream or, or urine do, will face a sanction, regardless of the circumstances of got to this. And I think one of the biggest risks we have in canoeing, in particular is inadvertent doping Um, so trying to educate and support athletes uh, athletes and their parents in in the understanding of how this this could take place is is really fundamental i think the decisions which athletes take are very much influenced by parents whether it be what food they're consuming whether it be supporting them if they have to go to the doctors um, and go and get prescriptions so in order to minimise that risk, we feel it's important that both the parent and the athlete have a good understanding the risks the athlete, um, their child might face, where they're going to be exposed to them and, and how you can support that decision making process. So that's why it's really great that we've got this opportunity, for this podcast um, alongside the education programme we put directly in with those athletes.
0: Yeah, thanks. Um, we're going to go on to a bit more detail in this podcast a bit, Barby anti-doping process and, and the things that parents can do the, so they can understand of what they need to do with checks for medication and so on. Um, I'm just going to go back um, to the beginning of when you talked a bit about the values, and that's where I just want to spend some time discussing about the values and the ethics of, of clean sport. So to you, Ian, um, why is it important at an early age for athletes to be aware of competitive sport values? And how important is it that athletes take these, this ownership of their learning and lifestyles so they can help them now and, and also into the future?
2: Um, well, they're investing for the future. That would be quite what I would say in terms of a, a summary. But just to elaborate on that, you know, we all recognize that uh, the premise and foundation of competitive sport is based on the fact that those who reign superior, um, are those who potentially train harder, more committed, more determined, um, and not because they've cheated, um, which, as we also know, can have an effect on their health. Um, so, if this, if this footing, this foundation is undermined, um, then you know, in terms of the future of where our sport is, competitive sport, um, then we, we've got little, little hope. Um, so we as parents um, coaches and the athletes have a duty to protect the integrity um, of what we do and recognise that without clean sport then we don't really have fair sport and we don't really have competitive sport so I'd say that's why I see it you know as investing for the future
0: yeah definitely and Gemma how does installing these strong values at an early age actually impact an athlete's future decision making
1: we need the the support of athletes and um, their parents to support and instill strong clean sport values and ethical behaviors um, across the whole community Um, it's proven that athletes with strong values built from an early age are much less likely to cheat including doping And and that comes across the whole of life not just within sport and within doping but um, young people who have strong ethics built from an early age through through that primary school and, and beyond and their first few year, first early years as an athlete um, portrays across the whole of life but in particular sport I think anything that makes the competition unfair and and doping in particular undermines the essence of sport the emotion we feel when we realize that we've witnessed um, sport that's not true damages our relationship sport uh, and the sport itself and and this is why we need parents' help in our, our mission to protect the integrity and ensure that, that their child puts in their best performance and the competition is fair. It's quite interesting. Research suggests that athletes are more vulnerable to doping decisions at, at four key times in an athlete journey. So by instilling strong ethics, um, what we're trying to do is create a barrier to that wrong decision and... And those four key times come within transitions so potentially moving from a new training group moving away from home to university or moving moving from junior to senior competition Uh, whether an athlete may come under funding pressures um, increased pressures whether that's from inside or outside the sport um, or, or change change in life change within their sport so as I said, by instilling strong ethics, we're creating a barrier to that wrong decision um, and trying to support that athlete um, subconsciously and consciously in in making those right decisions and, and maintaining that integrity and, and fairness within sport.
0: Absolutely. Completely agree. In, installing those strong values and ethics from an early age, as, as you said, it's proven to have that positive impact on, on the athlete's decision making in, in the long run. Um, So I'm keen now to just talk a bit about um, the testing process so um, the question really is so who who can actually be tested and what age group or or standard are we talking about here?
1: Great so it's actually uh, quite a common misconception with sport Um, some people believe that only those who are competing internationally or, or in competition not recreational paddlers are the only ones that can be tested but Fundamentally, any member of British Canoeing um, signs up to the British Canoeing anti-doping rules, all, all the British Canoeing policies and, and procedures, and within that is is a right for any any member of British Canoeing to be tested at any time. Now, that's not saying that every member of British Canoeing, all 36,000 members and and 30,000 additional club members, are going to be tested um uk anti-doping and the international canoe federation obviously have some decision making within which to streamline that that testing and and part of that comes within intelligence-led so that's why the reporting of doping in sport is, is really important and if anyone does have any concerns they can report that anonymously to to help UK anti doping pull together any picture and and that might obviously lead to them wanting to test a specific person the other element they do is is they look at where would be some of those high risk um moments that, that i just talked about um so identifying those potential moments an athlete might be more likely to to take drugs um and then likewise there is random doping testing done and, and part of that is to reassure the public um part of that is to um, make sure that those that are looking to cheat um, are kept on their toes and, and trying to do that but Ultimately, any age group, any standards, any athlete, any paddler um, that are that member of British Canoeing um, could be tested. So that's why we try and start the education at an early age. um, Just making sure that we've got those foundations um, put in place so that people have got an understanding of their responsibility um, and that process.
0: Um, You mentioned, I think, about reporting the doping in sport where where can a parent or, or someone um, actually make a report about doping or if they think that um, someone might be doping
1: yeah so um uk anti-doping are linked in with crime stoppers so anyone can go on to um, the uk anti-doping website um or report com um and and report doping there's also a crime stoppers phone number uh, which is available on the british canoeing website or the uk anti-doping one and what that does is anyone can report any concerns they've got um, or or any fact that they've got and what the uk anti-doping team will then do is pull together um, a bit of a case on that one so if it's an isolated report with no substance or anything um they might choose to look into it further they might choose not to but ultimately if a number of people have raised that that concern then it enables them to put together a picture and a case and to look into it further sometimes they'll get in touch with british canoeing um, to seek further information or or make advice to us and sometimes they will act upon that depending on, on on what level of of concern it is whether it's it's an athlete taking a banned substance whether it's a coach or a doctor or an athlete support personnel instilling the the wrong values and and a high risk of, of doping within their athlete network or anti-doping violations can be as extreme as trafficking drugs into the country so uk anti-doping and the crime stoppers team look at that that whole portfolio of of potential um the potential network and, and we'll do that the one thing to know and this is why it's it's critical that we do do report doping in sport is the people on the ground are the ones that that will be the ones witnessing it um, and the process is anonymous if you wish to remain anonymous you can report it without submitting your name etc so we just encourage everyone's got a responsibility for clean sport and and we just encourage everyone to to take their part within that
0: definitely yeah definitely agree with that there and um that further process uh, that go there and um, they go through to um investigate further if need be um parents might be listening to this now and and thinking well my my child's on medication and um, what what does that mean so how can athletes check their medications
1: so we're really lucky in the uk um there's there's seven countries which have signed up to um a process called global dro so if you go onto the internet to globaldro.com that's g l o b a l d r o.com it's a quick and simple website where any athlete or parent or, or anyone wishing to check medication um, bought in one of these partner countries they can do and what it does is it lets you know whether it's prohibited um, or whether it's not prohibited or whether there's a condition put against it so for example a salbutamol inhaler there's a, there's a condition against that about how much you can use it um, within a, a 12 and 24 hour period you could do this for all medications, um, prescribed ones as well as those bought over the counter. Um, keep them in, your, you know, medications kept in your house, um, and it's it's to make sure really that that you're aware of what you can take and when you can take it. So, some some medicines um, substances are prohibited in competition, um, and then some some are prohibited outside of competition and in competition. So it will check all the ingredients against the WADA prohibited list um, and give you an instant answer on the status of that medication you have to enter the full brand name of the product um, and give some information regarding where you bought it the sport which the athlete competes in um, all of which takes less than a couple of minutes Um, and then what we do recommend is that you just save that record of the check you've done the WADA prohibited list is updated every january um, but can be added to at any time, which we try and communicate um, if there are any additions. But we recommend that, that athletes check their medications re- regularly and record that search number um, to do that. So easy, quick, simple. It's Global Drow. It's a pretty self-explanatory website. Um, if you do need any help, then um, just get in touch with us um, to to see if we can support if you do need.
0: Yeah, the, the link to uh, Global Drive is on the British Canoeing um, Antidoping page on, on our website. And it's also um, on the Talent Parent Programme webpage um, on the additional resources section uh, under Antidoping as well. So people want to have a look at, at that link there. So in the case of a cold medicine that you might be taking, such as a LEMSIP, different flavors do you have to check or do you just have to check because that brand's okay or does it differentiate between the flavors of a product
1: it's really important that you are checking the exact product that you've got in front of you um so for example various cold remedies um it changes over time so um Various products within one brand, some will, be, will contain prohibited substances and some won't contain prohibited substances. So it's really key that you're making sure you are checking that exact um, medication that, that you are looking to take. And don't assume that just a, 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 a medication that you can buy over the counter in a shop is okay to take. Um, please, 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 we ask you to check anything that you might be looking to take.
0: Yeah, that sort of leads me on to sort of my next question. Um, around when, when athletes may be going away on international training camps or competitions. So there could be times when that athlete is feeling unwell and they might need to go and buy medication from a, a nearby pharmacy. Is is that okay to do that?
1: So again, um we 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 say there's caution um, with any medication and it's it's important to check. Um, athletes may find medications from different countries look exactly the same Um, however that doesn't mean that the ingredients are the same so never assume um, it's safe to take global DROW is used for checking medications in seven nations so the UK USA Canada Japan Australia New Zealand and Switzerland are all currently um, signed up to to global DROW. so when you're doing your search if you're purchasing the medication from one of those seven countries it gives you the opportunity to specify which country for any medication purchased outside um, we don't we can't guarantee there's a safe way of checking the medication the safest thing to do is to stock up and buy in the uk any medication which has been checked on global drove prior to travel Um, one caveat to that is just check in advance how much medication you can take through customs And if any substances are banned within that country, if you do um, find a need to to buy medication abroad, um, you cannot go without it. Medication should be bought from a a reputable vendor or pharmacist. Um, There's obviously still risks in doing this, um, whether whether the language you you can't read it on the on the box, etc. But what you are able to do is check individual ingredients on global dro prior to taking it. Um, so if you're on the Global Dro website, you can put in other countries and you can check individual ingredients. Um, obviously, it's always at your own risk and cannot be sure the labeling is correct, but this is the safest way to do it. But where possible, um, we would say take up stock, stock up any medication, medication you think you might need going out. Um, and just my last bit of advice is avoid counterfeits, avoid buying medication via the internet. Um, use reputable vendors and, and pharmacists if you are going to purchase anything.
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely very, very useful advice. There. Um, some some athletes might have medicine that they're taking that that's actually on the prohibited list, um, and they can't afford not to take that particular medication. Um, what does an athlete do then?
1: so firstly ask the gp if there's any alternatives to that medication um, that they're prescribing um, which doesn't contain a prohibited ingredient if this is not possible um, don't worry obviously the health of, of an individual is, is really important it's vital that the medication is taken to treat a condition um, then your child your athlete may be eligible for what's called a therapeutic use exemption which if granted enables them to use this substance so the most commonly awarded um, therapeutic use exemptions, TUEs, are for insulin for diabetes, um, or for some inhalers if um, salbutamol or something like that it isn't possible. So TUEs are only usually applied for up front. Um, for those athletes selected for World Championships, World Cups so or European championships so if your athlete is is prescribed something there is no alternative that they can take and they are selected um, within british canoeing great britain squads for one of those get in touch with me and then what we could do is support you in in applying for that that therapeutic use exemption if the athlete um if your child is uh, is not at that level um then don't worry have those conversations with a gp there are no alternatives they need to take that medication take that medication and then should they be tested at a future date, we can support with a what's called a retroactive, so a retrospective application for a therapeutic use exemption. So um, what we want to make sure is that no athlete is compromising their health. So that's why this, this process is in place. Um, if you want any further advice on that one, give me a shout. Um, I'm Not an expert on specific medications, but we've got access to our, our chief medical officer, um, and I can support you through looking on the global draw and, and the questions which you might need to be asking your GP. Just my final caveat on this one is if an athlete is admitted to A&E, to hospital for emergency medical procedures or, or, or surgery, please do not um, delay any of that. The most important thing is that they do get the medical treatment they need and then retrospectively give us a shout. And we can um, we can have a conversation about what treatment they might have received. The important bit to note on that one is, if an athlete is is going into hospital, make sure you get a record of um, any medication, um, any fluids they've been given, um, and the method within which that's been given. So just the normal um, medical sheets that, that the the hospital will have, and then that enables us to look at the full information and support if there is a retroactive um, TUE that does need to be applied for.
0: Yeah, thanks for all that information there. And um, yeah, as I mentioned before in this podcast, um, more information around that is on the anti doping um, section of the British Gym website. Um, so if that does apply to yourself um, at any point, um, uh, go to the website there. More information will be provided around that. Um, I'm going to come come to you next, Ian. Um, so there's thousands and thousands of supplements that are on the market now. And a question for you as a coach, really, is there a need for athletes to actually take take these supplements?
2: Well, I think the the sort of formal line is that if we speak to the physiologists, they would tell us that for the majority of athletes, um, then the appropriate nutrition can be taken on board just by good good food um, and good eating and sleeping habits. Um, so we adopt a strategy of sort of food first. Um, I suppose I suppose for those athletes that are further up the pathway who are training at much higher intensities and bigger durations, then arguably there might be a case for that. Um, but certainly at talent level, um, as I suggest, then uh, we do feel that it's more of a, a food a food first approach. And we have to recognise that you know whenever we take a supplement, um, then there is always risk. There are mechanisms in place to try and guard against the risk, um, but there is always risk of uh, inadvertently doping. So our position on it is really it's food first, um, stay stay away from the supplements. Um, if there is a need to um, to, a, to to look into taking supplements, um, then we need you need to be um, addressing the performance sport website will um, will highlight which, which supplements have been tested, and they have a ban they they test the um, the supplement to see whether when it went through testing are there any traces of anything which could create a violation uh, that. Still isn't a guarantee that that could be the case, um, as it as it as it can in transport and various other means uh, be contaminated. So our, our bottom line is really to to stick with um, looking at your your food and your sleep as hydration patterns.
1: Yeah, just to back up what Ian was saying is definitely a food first approach and and look across the whole of your spectrum of, of physiology, whether that's sleep, hydration, rest, food.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the, the message there is that um, the food first approach is, is the best way um, for an athlete. Um, and then if they are taking any supplements, as you mentioned, um, uh, definitely checking that supplement on on the Informed Sport website there.
1: Further to that one, um, just to give a bit more background on the Informed Sport. What, what it does is it, it's a back testing service to, to the supplement interest. in. The supplement industry but just just a flag it doesn't check for 100% of prohibited substances at the moment it probably checks for about 50% prohibited substances so even if you're going through the informed sport um, process it is a risk minimization process but ultimately um, there is still that risk of contamination Um, so there's no guarantee that a supplement is completely free from prohibited substances Ultimately, any athlete with a prohibited substance, um, if they do get tested, um, they will then seek sanction. So that's why we really do create a, a caution around taking supplements. And there's a really neat little phrase that we use, assess the need, um, assess the risk and then assess the consequences. So um, it, it's one which we don't we don't say jump in two feet straight into. It's definitely very much you need to assess the need, assess the risk and assess the consequences.
0: Yeah, thank you for, for highlighting that there, Gemma. Just gonna um move on to the other area of anti-doping and if someone does get selected um for the testing process, um can can you briefly explain the testing process that athletes undertake?
1: Yeah, no worries. So testing is part and parcel of sport um and should be seen as a positive service to athletes, helping them to demonstrate that they train and complete cleanly. So I think if any athlete is selected for testing, I I wouldn't be worried about it from that respect. I would see it as an ability to prove that you are competing as a clean athlete. Um, Testing takes place really for three reasons. To provide public assurance that an athlete's performance is clean, act as a deterrent to a doping decision um, or detect doping. So finding those who do choose to cheat. Just a reminder, anyone can be tested at any time, um, at any place. So if you are tested, um, uh, there is no ability to to decline that test. Athletes can be asked to provide a urine and or a blood sample. Um, Primarily, the urine is more common, um, but it's just a flag that um, the the doping control officer could request to take a blood sample, and and that's fine as well. the big thing that i want to share with with the parents listening to this podcast to share with your athletes is we really really encourage all athletes to take a representative with them if they are notified of testing whether you are liam heath and this is your billy of time you're being tested or whether you are um Bethan, um who you know would have been tested a few times before or whether this is your first test Taking a representative with you um, hopefully supports you, it gives you reassurance. What we also find it does is um, it gives you, feels you're more empowered to challenge the process. So if you're concerned about anything within the dopamine control testing process, um, it's a lot easier for that person with you to either raise the concerns themselves um, or to, um, to support you in raising those concerns. What it also does is it acts as a second pair of ears and eyes to to look at the process and and do that. But please be reassured that, um, particularly within this country, the UK anti-doping doping Doping control officers, um, they're there to support you in going through that testing process. So if this is your first time, um, let them know that and they will talk you through the process. Um, If you're unsure about anything, just ask them um, or ask your representative your representative doesn't have to see you pee in the pot so don't worry about if it's your coach or it's your physio or someone um, and you don't want them to see them doing that what they're there to do is check that the the person undertaking the doping control process is doing it appropriately and support you where you do need so that representative you take can be a parent um, it, it can be a physio it can be a coach it can be anyone that you want and If obviously um, the doper control officers come home um, to do testing obviously it's more likely to be a parent majority of testing as a junior will will get done at competition or at training but there is always that option that doper control personnel could come to your house and, and do that testing but but unlikely within the talent stage so within the process itself um, first of all, uh, you'll be notified of a selection of testing. Now, an adult must be present for this notification for, for any minors. Um, your athlete, your child, is then required um, to um, to stay within the eye line of um, of that doping control chaperone. So, if it's um, at a competition, there are certain things that an athlete can do. For example, um, a medal presentation or media commitments. Um, after they've been notified, but they, it's their responsibility to stay in the um, the eye line of that chaperone. Once they've been notified and once they've com- um, completed their, um, their their ceremony, their warm down, and any medical treatment, um, you'll then go to the doping control station. During the process, the doping control personnel will explain the testing procedure in detail. Um, we've got further guidance and um, a little step by step. Um, guide on the British Canoeing website. But the other thing I would really recommend anyone to do is to download what's called the 100% Me app. So it's a UK anti doping app. But what it's got within that app is it's got the step by step processes. So if you've got your phone with you, if you're in abroad competing or you're in Nottingham or Lee Valley competing and you've got your phone on you, it always is there as on hand to be able to give you that step by step process. Your child will then be guided through selecting their sample collection vessel before being chaperoned to the toilet to proceed with providing your urine sample under supervision. One thing we let athletes know at an early stage within their education is you will have to um, show the actual dispensing of that urine. So you will ask to, to be naked between um, your nipples and your knees um, so that they can actually see that dispensing of the urine. Once the sample has been provided, um, your child will then be chaperoned back to the um, doping control station where all the admin is being done, where they'll select a sampling kit, they'll divide and seal the samples, and then the sample gets tested for um, certain concentration. So if you're way too hydrated, um, they will require you to um, produce another sample just so that it's got enough concentration um, within which to um, to check for hip prohibited substances um, it's not an issue uh, whatsoever it just means you're sitting there a little bit longer till you need another week once all of that is done um, everything is sealed um, as an athlete you should be um, the only one touching any of the sample kits um, and that's something which um, you're represented there can always make sure that no one else is is um, interfering with the process um, but as I say, the best thing to do would be to download the 100% Me app as it summarises that process and, and can just be used as a check and challenge as you're going through that process.
0: Yeah, for, for thanks for that. Um, yeah, definitely a, a very um, thorough process that um, takes place there. So I um, definitely um, recommend uh, downloading that 100% Me app. And if you want to know a bit more detail of, of all the steps of, of the process that you just mentioned there, Gemma. Um, coming to you uh, next, Nicky, Um So... Just keen to understand, um, if, if I may, um, what Bethan's experience of the testing process was like. Um, so she arrived um, onto the junior team at, at the early age, and that's when she had her first um, test experience of the testing process. Is that correct?
3: Um, she was. 16 when she was on senior 14 um on junior but 16 was her first experience of being tested um i think basically the education she'd been given meant that she knew exactly what to expect and actually the process happened exactly as she'd learned it Um she wasn't bothered by the process i think i think she talked about it so much even the um having to wee in front of anybody any part of that didn't really faze her because it had been really well um discussed i think however i think the circumstances with which it happened was more distressing to her i think she hadn't worked through um the scenario and basically what had happened to her at the junior worlds is she'd won the semi-final comfortable was really hoping for a good result in the final and everything didn't go to plan which then made the whole um anti-doping situation quite overwhelming for her um she was quite distressed and obviously wanted the comfort of probably coming to family um and friends and obviously that process um to any any kind of level couldn't happen and she ended up um for quite some time waiting to sort of produce a valid sample And she also had the added pressure of the fact that it was quite time um, critical because there was a flight to catch. So there was quite a lot of pressure for her to get it done because they were gonna miss the flight. So I I think while she was well educated in what the process would be, she hadn't quite prepared for the scenarios and the circumstances with which it would happen. And I think thereafter uh, the other two times um that she's been tested Rio um she dealt with that a lot better she wasn't sort of distressed or anything like that but it did take a total of seven and a half hours um for her to give a valid sample which is obviously quite a, a long length of time um different scenario because she was happy etc so i think very much the circumstances does come into play
0: yeah definitely Um that's one thing that um just highlighted in this podcast of how long the testing process can go on on for, and um, you know, and to sit for that length of time and um, to be able to then choose and you're in to for this testing to take place. Um, anything to add there as a coach Ian or or Gemma um, about what you've just heard of um, Bethan's experience from from Nikki? Uh,
1: just to say seven and a half hours, that's hardcore. That's um that's the longest i've heard someone had to say it before they're weeing. um so uh yeah she was hardcore on that one but at least in that situation she was happy and i think um we were chatting before this podcast with nikki and and um the first time you do you, you do produce a sample and go through that is it, always a nerve-wracking experience and it's it's really reassuring to hear that Bethann felt a lot of reassurance through that education and and for me that's why it's really important that we do educate athletes so is that there is a level of comfort and confidence because no one knows um, what mindset they're going to be in when they're going to go and do that whether you're elated coming off the the top of the podium to h- huge disappointment and just wanted to go and see your family and 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 that having that background knowledge and education it is really key but for me it's just a reassurance that any athlete going through that process probably is going to feel daunted the, the first time they do it and and that's not a problem and that's why it's even more important to take that represented with you to, to to be a friendly face and support you because seven and a half hours can be quite a long time sitting on your own
3: yeah no definitely i mean the the first time in a um well both times really beth has been sort of high praise for the um, representatives from anti-doping they've been very friendly and supportive sort of throughout and in Evreya um we actually were able to get my eldest daughter into into Beth so she could support Beth because it was quite a because she was quite distressed Um so she went in so it, it did there are ways and means of supporting them um whilst they're going through it
0: yeah we've have- done Donnie and, and uh, whether you there was anything that um, you wanted to add, to add to that there. I, I
2: think I think Nikki's, um, Nikki's story or, or that story has sort of brought to light the importance of us in the future just sort of talking around the circumstances a little bit because what I'm recognising is that we do talk through the sort of protocols that athletes will go through so they are familiar with the stage by stage um, part of the process but in terms of how it's been brought to light there through, through through Beth's story we sort of haven't really yeah touched upon that significantly and I think certainly in my eyes that might be something that would add further value to, to the education process um, so yeah and I, the other, the other thing I just wanted to reiterate is that you know, I feel that you know, parents and athletes, you know, should uh, make an effort to, to to become informed about what what the journey looks like in terms of testing, because you know they can fall foul just through ignorance of um, of, of some of the some of the things that are requested of them. Um, so as uh, Gemma spoke about, you know, be, being when you are requested to attend testing, you know. it it, it wouldn't be uh, beyond the realms of possibility for an athlete to end up thinking it was all right to nip off to do so and so and that would potentially end up with a violation Um, also in terms of the the athlete recognising and the parent recognising what is the appropriate protocol that the uh, testers uh, should follow um, we know as again as Gemma said you know within Britain then there is a tight protocol um, and those individuals have been through um, an educational process in order to get to that position once we move outside of British shores then potentially that, that maybe it's not been as rigorous and therefore if the athlete is aware of some of the subtleties uh, again like Gemma touched upon about the athlete being the only individual to touch um the pots after they've provided their sample you know if, if it, there could be contamination that way and i think if an athlete is aware of those things then they know what they're looking out for and consequently there's less likely to be any violations uh, or indirect violations so um yeah I, I i would just sort of bring that to the attention
3: and
1: dan just before you move on just to flag and support what ian just said if anyone is is concerned and it's very very rare that anyone does have any concern. The important thing to do is to note it on that form that you're filling in that that's your opportunity to if you've got any you know if if there weren't at least two sample kits to choose from or if the doping control officer did touch your sample bottle that is the opportunity to, to flag it in there and and that's why it's important that the understanding of the process it, it is acutely aware and that representatives with you to support um, making those comments in the box.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to bring this podcast to a close very, very shortly. I'm just going to touch on on two two last points. Really, uh, back to yourself, Nikki. On you mentioned a bit about the education that Beth, Beth and received. Um, so what what education did did Beth actually receive? Um, from the the pathway our antidoping.
3: Um, she'd completed the water online um modules. And she'd also attended a cleaning sport workshop that w- had been run um within an ENTS training camp that um Ian led um so she had been fully informed um of the process
0: yeah and the, as as we mentioned um, you know educating the athletes on this process uh, at an early age is quite important, but you know when she does get get to um experience that there are other, the, you know, there are other things, other factors that as you mentioned about the the waiting time and stuff like that 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 you you only really learn um, when you actually um being involved in that process as opposed to um when you're um being educated around that. Um so is that something that um you do Ian um with the pathway um every year with, with your end squad?
2: Uh, yeah, we put it as part of the curriculum that we cover, not only in our, our winter camps, uh, off, offering um, at least one session around the basic principles of anti-doping, talking around the values and ethics, as we've done brief, uh, briefly here, um, and then education as to what are the things uh, that you need to be looking out for, the mechanisms by which you can you can uh, investigate those and, and and look for guidance on those things. Um, and yeah just just enhance their appreciation and awareness of the potential pitfalls that can come through ignorance
0: yeah and I suppose you've, you've highlighted there some of the real importance there for for athletes and, and why parents sort of need to be aware of of, of also the anti-testing process and what what their need is to check medication using global dry and how important it is that for athletes and parents
2: yes yes absolutely
0: (laughs) yeah
1: just to dan just to to further add obviously um we have a a really extensive education program for for our young athletes and the whole way through the pathway um you know whether you're on on the elite performance squad you still have that biannual um face-to-face workshop if any parents listening to this podcast do want to learn more um There's a UK and parents, sorry, UK and open parents and carers guide, which is available on the British Canoe website. But there is also um, an online course, free online course, which is called called the Clean Sport Advisor. And what it does is it just um, takes you through a lot of the processes that we've talked through today um but also a lot of the processes that, that ian just talked about we take those athletes through it takes between depending on how quick you are at doing it between 40 minutes and two hours you can come in and go back but it's called the clean sport advisor and it's basically aimed at anyone um that's an athlete support personnel whether it's from a parent through to a physio um or or a team manager but it just touches on those basics so if you're going away from from listening to this podcast wanting to know more Clean Sport Advisor or the UK Anti-Doping Parents and Carers Guide is are two good places to start.
0: Yeah, great, great. Um yeah, definitely recommend that for parents there. Um sort of going to bring this podcast to a close very shortly. Um got um one question to, to you, Nikki, and then a final question to everybody else. To so, Nikki, what things would you like to have known about anti-doping as Beth sort of progressed up the talent pathway? and onto the UK programme is there anything else that you feel as a parent that you probably would like to have known looking back
3: on? I definitely think that um, I would have I would have liked to have been part of the workshops or had a similar education to Beth um, purely because I think every child's different and um, Ian who knows Beth will know that Beth isn't a great talker so she's not a sharer at home so although I knew she was she'd been to workshops etc. Any of that information wasn't kind of being relayed back um, and I'm sure other parents would perhaps be in the same situation. I, I was quite fortunate that we've got the UCAD educator at home but had I not have had that I probably would have been quite um, naive to to the process. So definitely I think as a parent as well i think it also extends to other family members because there definitely would have been times where my eldest who's 10 years older would have been c- providing childcare care while i work during six week holidays where beth would have been training had she felt unwell oh, wow. um it's obviously vital for those other family members that would sort of play mum to be aware of the situation as well and obviously i think that's vital
0: yeah, definitely. I think that's a really important point you you flagged there, and and certainly comes back to what you just mentioned, um, Gemma, around the um the clinical advisor um course that that parent could could go on to, to find a bit more information about um anything else. That, would that be where you recommend um a parent um t- to start with more info? Yeah,
1: definitely. I think the parents and carers guide is a good one because it talks around the relationship parents have with athletes through that journey um, so it's a it's a it's a, it's quite an easy read um, but exactly as, as Nikki's just said it's something which we'll take on board and 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 you know this podcast is the first sort of engagement we've had from that perspective so hopefully that's given some information and we'll take that away and look to put some parent workshops on in the future as well so watch this face on that one it's a it's another job on Ian's list that uh, he knows is going to come his way <laughs>
0: Yeah, I can see him probably smiling away now, I'd imagine, on <laughs> that. Uh, yeah. um, so I'm going to bring this podcast to a close with, with one final question to everybody, um, and that was what would be your top tip for parents um, on anti uh starting with yourself, Gemma? Uh,
1: apart from downloading the 100% Me app, um, pretty much the fundamentals are encourage hard work, commitment, taking personal responsibility and promote a balanced diet and positive lifestyle choices. Now, all of this is, is, is a common sense approach. And, and just remind your athlete that they do have a responsibility. But fundamentally, it's about the basics of life, of you know balanced lifestyle choices and diet.
0: Great, great tip there. Um, Ian, what, what would your top tip be?
1: um i think it's really just reiterating
2: what we're talking about a moment ago, and that is for parents to get involved you know and to recognize the potential consequences of um the the pitfalls that are out there you know i think particularly within our sport of slalom um, nobody intentionally or certainly my experience and i've been in the game for a long time nobody intentionally seems to go out there to um intentionally cheat um, it's normally through ignorance and inadvertently uh, taking something they shouldn't. And what we don't want to do is end up with an athlete um, getting uh, getting a violation through uh, simple ignorance. Um, so I would encourage parents to, to 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 learn a little bit more, listen to this podcast, uh, follow some of the guidance that has suggested, um, and understand the topic a little bit more, so that they can help steer um the potential pitfalls that might lie
0: great thank you and um finally nikki um have you got a top tip for parents
3: yeah i think my one's simple really um if you don't know or you're not sure just ask Um there's so much knowledge and support available within british canoeing so there's no reason not to make sure that you are aware of everything Um as i say just if you don't know ask
0: yeah, definitely. Um, and approach the coach, and then um, you know if it, if your coach needs more information, um, you know, they, they would flag that back up with Gemma, and um, you know they would fight, get that information, and, and so that of make sure that that um, queries answered appropriately to the parents. There, going to um, finish this podcast um, now, and um, so thank you all for listening to um, this anti doping um, episode. Um, this podcast um, is available on the British Canoeing Talent Parent Programme webpage. Um, you can also download this podcast by following British Canoeing Talent Parent Programme on Podbean, Apple, or Spotify podcasts. So, thank you for listening to this podcast today, and thank you all um, to Gemma, Ian, and, and Nikki for being involved today.
2: Thank you.
1: Thank you.